Hi, this is Amory Fox, and you're listening to my podcast on your terms, where I talk to people from all walks of life who have made amazing changes in their careers to live life on their own terms. I'll be giving away loads of career advice, including self-branding, interviews, CV tips along the way. If you enjoy listening to these amazing stories, please subscribe for free to my podcast. Hi, and welcome back to my podcast on your terms. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest, Porig Omalia, who's the founder of Schmacht. Uh, Porig is a trainer, an author, and a speaker. I first came to know Porig from his book, The Midas Power, which I uh, love. And he's also written another book called Rocking Horseshit, which I'm sure we discuss uh, in the conversation today. So I'm delighted to chat further to Porik and delighted to have you on today as a guest. So thanks, Porik. So um, I suppose I could start, Porik, by maybe asking you to tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'm doing what I'm doing for 30 years, Anne-Marie. I'm, I'm helping business owners nail significant goals. That's, that's I guess, what we always did. And you might say, how can you be so confident about that? Well, there's no great secret, really. One of the things I discovered many years ago, in fact, in 2010, the, the ASTD, the American Society of Training and Development, yeah. they discovered that uh, there's a number of probabilities to actually achieving a goal. You have a 10% chance of achieving a goal if, if you have an idea. So, you know, you might have an idea that I'm going to, I'm going to get fit in the new year. That's an idea. You've only a 10% chance of hitting okay. that. Yeah. Uh, I was putting these down earlier because I think they're, they're a little bit interesting. It goes up to 25%. Um, yeah. I was just writing that down there. Um, 25% if you actually commit to it, if you say to yourself, yeah, I'm really, 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 really going to get stuck into that. Now, that's that's still only a one in four chance of doing it. Yeah. Um, if you put a time on it, if you say, yes, I'm going to lose a half a stone by Paddy's Day on the 17th of March, it goes up to 40 percent. So a deadline is really important. The, these are really simple things, Anne-Marie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it goes up to 50 percent if you've got a plan to do it. No, no big deal. Any of your listeners can do this. Literally, yes. as they're sitting, listening to this podcast or Zoom or whatever. Yeah. The really interesting thing is it goes from 50% to 95%. If you commit to, I call them accountability pal, somebody who's going to keep you accountable. So for argument's sake, if you and I sat down and said, okay, uh, you know, it'd be great to do a podcast together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and you know. What I get as excited about that is it'd be a bit of fun. We get a lot of business out of it. And if you and I decided to meet for even 10 minutes on Zoom once a week and say, you know, Anne-Marie, what did you do this week? Well, I interviewed Parik Omalia. I put it up there. That simple bit of, I call it subtle intimidation. It makes all the difference. The problem is Anne-Marie, and I'm a business owner. Business owners hate accountability. We don't like it. We've nobody to be accountable for because we run our own businesses. Of and course, if yeah. the truth be known, we do the stuff we like to do, and we yes. don't do the stuff that that's needed to grow and scale a business. So, what do I do? I 
I, I run a company called Smoth, and Smoth is the Irish word for discipline. And, and the little bit of discipline, the only discipline you need is maybe a half an hour a week to sit down with a group of, I call them accounter pals. Yes. They're, they're friends. They're not people who are like your old um, army sergeant or old tough teacher. These are people who are in your corner. They have your back. They're rooting for you. They're saying, go on, Fox, you can actually do this. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of hassle for a month or two, but you'll come out the other sound. So, so that's what I do. It's, it's, it's really lovely, uh, Anne-Marie. You're bringing like-minded business people together. You're, you're bringing them into a group where they're motivated and inspired and yeah. critically held accountable. And we do also pair them off with individuals at the end okay. of every one of our meetings for just 10 minutes where they work on... Um, is this a family show? I think we can we can yeah, talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's, You can edit it afterwards. We call it a shag. And a shag is an acronym for a smart, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, Jim Collins in his book right. talked about, he talked about BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. And <laughs> we used to talk about those in smart too until one day a beautiful man called Adrian McKenna. He knows I tell this story. Adrian's yeah. a great accountant in Limerick with more. And he said, Porik, BHAGs don't work. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about, Adrian? I said, you know, the research says BHAGs are brilliant. They do work. Nah, I said, you know, he says, I, I, I've had a few big, hairy, audacious goals. And then they just didn't happen. And I could see I was losing the dressing room. I could see others nodding. Yeah, me too. BHAGs don't work. And I was in a bit of trouble. And um, all of a sudden, Adrian came up. He said, but you know what would work, Porik? And I said, what, Adrian? He said, it's great to have a goal and it's great to have a hairy, audacious goal. And yeah. he said, even I see it with my, my, my own clients, he said, the most successful have big, hairy, audacious goals. But what you need more than anything is smut. You need the discipline, discipline. To, to become accountable to that goal. And I said, yeah, what are you getting at? He said, so smut, hairy, audacious goals. And from that day, we obviously call them shags and smut. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and um, it's it's really about about that. So so that's what I do. Very good, very good. I totally get where you're coming from with the accountability partners and the accountability because you have to do you know work on everything each week if you know you're meeting somebody during the week. So I definitely see the importance of that in in personal and business. I suppose I was just wondering: is this what you always thought you would do? Say growing up, where did you see yourself? Many years ago. Many, many, many years ago. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. Um, the interesting thing, in my day, I did the Leaving Cert in 1979, and I hadn't thought much about it. I hadn't put a lot of thought into it. And, yeah. uh, and my mother asked me quite late in that year, uh, what was I going to do when the Leaving Cert results came out? I like an Egypt, I said, I'd love to do medicine. And I always remember bursting out a kind of a cynical laugh saying, you doing medicine. You know, do you realize you would have needed to have worked for the last three or four years for that? And, right. uh, you know, anyway, no one was a doctor at our house. And you know what I'm getting at? You know, get off there and stop messing about. Yeah, them. yeah. And the weird thing, Anne-Marie, was, um, you know, the, well, how did they call them? The CAO letter. The, yes, the, yeah. The CAO I always remember it arriving into our house and in the big brown envelope. And, um, you know, the weird thing was that I got 56 points in my leaving cert. And what you needed to get in, what you needed to get in was 56 points the year before. So I thought I was going to be pretty oh, close. Wow. I wasn't yeah. really letting on. Um, 
Now, I didn't make it. It went to 60 points. And I said, uh, oh, well, look, at that's that. If it's not meant for me, it's not meant for me. And, uh, you know, I did commerce and it was brilliant. However, four of my buddies, they also didn't get the points for medicine back in 1979. And all of them guys are doctors today. And you might say, you know, how? Well, two of them yeah. simply repeated the leave insert. And okay. uh, I still remember a guy saying to me in the cellar bar, he said, you know, Amalia, he said, if you had had, he didn't call it smocked, but that's what he meant. If you had had the smocked to go back and repeat your leave him, all you would have needed was a C in domestic economy. In those days, you could have held your 50. I think I had 58 points. All okay. I needed was an additional C to get me over. And then I got really defensive. I said, yeah, I know nothing about domestic science. And he said, all you needed to know was how to make brown bread and how to operate a fridge. And I always remember it made me feel really bad. The other another guy, one of those guys did medicine. I did it did a BSc and he went the scenic route to becoming a doctor. OK, the fourth guy, if he was doing the leave insert till today and I won't mention his name, okay. he wouldn't have got the points in Ireland to do medicine. And I always remember saying to him, I said, what are you going to do now? You, you know, you, you, you won't get into medicine. Yeah. I said, I'm still going to be a doctor, Park. And I said, but you can't. You haven't got the points. It's impossible. Yeah. And like Anisha, he said, ah, no, he said, I'm not giving up on this dream. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. And the weird thing, Anne-Marie, was in England, and I think it still is, they had a different system. It was a really nice kind of combination between a certain amount of academic points, but also a bedside manner. And I'm going to come back and talk yeah. about that later. It's, it's called emotional quotient. And this yeah. guy had it in spades. He went to England across the water. I had any amount of relations who would have put me up. And he's now a leading obstetrician in Derby. So he is. Wow. But what I learned, and I didn't know what at 18 years of age was in life, you have choices. I chose to accept what society gave me which yes. was literally commerce in Galway. Yeah, yeah. Four of my buddies, they made other choices. Two of them to repeat the leaving to get into med, a third yeah. to do science, and a fourth to... They didn't let it stop them. They didn't let it stop them. Yeah. And I, I think there's I think there's a great lesson in that. So, so okay, I didn't... It's, it's a weird thing. I didn't end up doing medicine, even though I would have... I was a porter in the hospital in Galway, and I just would have loved it. In any event, um, roll forward till even yesterday. Um, in a weird sense... It's good to have the goal. It may not come as, a, as somebody spoke yesterday about, uh, about saying, you know, Amalia may not have ended up being a doctor of medicine, but he ended up being a doctor of people. In other words, helping business people uh, yeah. come on. So, so, so yeah, that was, a, that was, that was kind of my, my career growing up. So I then did Commerce Anne-Marie and I loved it. I did a okay. BCom yeah. in Galway and I did a diploma in, I think it's now a master's, but in those days yeah. it was, I don't even, yeah, it was a diploma in marketing practice. It was started by two guys called Jim Ward and uh, Aidan Daly, two wonderful academics in Galway. And um, they kind of broke that vicious circle. They gave young 21-year-olds an opportunity to work in a company applying marketing. Nice. And uh, it was kind of one of the lucky strokes in my life. I, I got um, I got I got sent to Castle Bar, which I wasn't mad on to begin with. <laughs> and I got sent to a company called Heritage Knitwear. And I was put in with a new startup company, but I was under a wonderful man called Dermot McShane. Dermot had recently retired as the CEO of Gwelthra Knitwear. And okay. he was setting up this brand new company. And I was his right-hand man. And um, I learned more in that year. So I did. It was just, you know, 
apprenticeship. You couldn't have bought it. I did everything from production, which I wasn't very good at, which I was terrible at, yeah. to systems, which I was equally bad at. But I kind of discovered a penchant for marketing and sales that Dermot didn't, not that he didn't have it, but he, he preferred the technical, mechanical yeah. end. Yeah. And it was a relationship made in heaven. And um, it's one of the things I often find about great businesses. They've got a great technician and they've got a great sales or marketing person. And I find if you've got a combination of those two in business, it makes for a re So if I go back to your game, the HR game, yeah. in assessing people's profiles for business suitability, you need a combination of that. It's a wonderful book written um, called Rocket Fuel. And it talks okay. about that combination of, he calls it the visionary and the integrator. The visionary is the person who can see the big picture. But the integrator is the person who makes it. And he goes Puts right together. through. They're like, they're, yeah, they're like some McDonald's. If you watch the Ray Kroc film at the moment. You know, yeah, Ray I saw Kroc, it's very good. Uh, he, he was a visionary. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the yeah. other guy. I forget his name at the moment. It was the accountant guy who set up all of the systems, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, the other one is Disney. You know, Walt Disney was a highly visionary person, but he was as broke as a church house mouse. He was absolutely all these brilliant ideas. Yeah. But he was going nowhere until he got into business with his brother. And his brother was the detailed person who put the actual systems in place to make Walt Disney's dreams come true. Anyway, look, at I, I, I met Dermot at 21 and it was it was a very... Um, it was a very defining uh, kind of period in my life. Um, yeah. I learned so much about the knitwear industry and selling that at 22, there was another great man in Galway, Jerry Barry, and he, he was involved in the marketing program. And Jerry sold his company cash back for, I don't know how many millions, but it was well north of a hundred million. And, uh, you know, we were finishing the course and Jerry said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, you know, Heritage have kindly offered me a job, you know, Okay. No, he said, no, I said, you should, you should, you should go to them as a consultant. And I said, Jerry, for crying out loud, I'm 22 years of age, this way back in whatever, 1982. Yeah. Yes, he said, go in and offer your services as a consultant. He said, it will suit Heritage perfectly because they don't have to be paying PRSI. Uh, it also means, Porik, you can work for other small businesses. And I said, Jerry, who'd want me? He says, so many people have not got the experience. Already I've been into exporting. I'd learned how to set up businesses in America, in Germany, Japan. So I knew the scenario. I knew all the yeah. people in CTT. And uh, so at 22, a little invoice book, I used, I used to charge 40 pounds a day and I became a consultant. And uh, I booked five days every week for as long as I wanted. And it was, it was great, great money for a young fella. But um, it, 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 yeah, so, so I've got to pay those guys huge credit in Galway. That Jim is a great Aiden. start. Yeah, yeah. Jim and Aidan yeah. for making that connection. But, but Dermot McShane, and he was completely different from me, Anne-Marie, and it's, it's one of the great learnings. If you want to succeed in business, you need to get almost your polar opposites. And, I like that. And, yeah, and if yeah. you can have the human emotional intelligence to be able to work with somebody who's different with you, well, then that is rocket fuel. Absolutely. So, somebody uh, even that'll challenge you. You know, exactly. you need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not going yeah. the same all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's so it great. So I, I did that for many years. Yeah. Um, my mum had a family business in Galway called Gleason's. It was a shop in Shop Street. And, um, 
you know, the, the kind of the, the, the view was that I would go back into the shop. And I remember at 26 making the decision, nah, even though my grandparents, my mom and dad were all retailers, yeah. it didn't kind of, it didn't kind of, it didn't sail my boat. And um, at 26, and I often say it to clients, um, I had gotten the flavor for teaching people and I had gotten the taste of helping people and I had gotten a certain amount of really good business experience at 26. And I said, no, I'm going to continue the consulting. And, uh, and I had another two fortuitous turning points. I am, I went to Canada and I studied time management and it was, uh, was very kind of trendy way back in those days. And my, my first client was Northern Telecom in Galway that was flying it. And, yeah. and then when di- digital got to hear about it, they went for it. And then um, um, Thermo King. And, and it was great. All the top clients, they'd heard about this crack called time management. Time management. I, yeah. I had a carousel and 120 slides and uh, I'd show it. And, you know, I did that for three years and it was really good. But I had a little bit of a conscience problem. I had the best material in the world. Yeah. At the time it was, it was really red hot time managed. It still is. I still use, I still right. use the stuff. <laughs> but I used to often, I used to give talks to maybe 10 or 12 people. And I'd find that two of them would excel. They would take everything I taught them and they'd okay. use it. And yeah. they'd go, it would really work. But I was always disappointed that maybe six out of 10 you know, they'd forgotten about it in three or four months, you know. Okay. Ah, yeah, we enjoyed the crack that day, Porrick. But now I'm back to I'm back to being totally disorganized. I'm back to this and back to my old habits. And I sort of said there must be a better way. And it's a point I'm going to say later. Networking is brilliant. Uh, it's one of the human intelligence and emotionally intelligent things you need to start doing right now. And, and your game is your game is aware of this more than anybody. I mean, jobs are not gotten advertisements in the paper now. It's who you know. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So my daughter, Sarah, I forget what age she is now, but many years ago, um, it was her christening. And uh, a great, great friends of mine, Jack and Mary Frances Kennedy, they came to the christening and we were yakking away. And Mary Frances said to me, I had many drinks at the time. She said, you know, would you ever, uh, would you ever think of coming to Dublin for an interview? I said, you must be joking, Mary. And she said, "Yeah, we're we're, we're looking for a, we're looking for a consultant in our business." And in the heel of the hot, in, in in the end of the thing, the company was a brilliant American company called Synectics, and they were there. They were based in Fitzwilliam Square, and they were an American offshoot, and they they did stuff completely alien to anything I had done. I had come through a pretty academic background. You know, yeah. Jim Ward was very systematic in his approach to marketing. Dermot McShane was very systematic in his approach to business. Yeah. Synectics, all they had were flip charts. They didn't believe in content. They believed in a thing called process. You hear a lot about it now. Joe Smith evangelized the word process. But, but way, back in the, way back in the early 90s, um, I didn't know a lot about process. But okay. Synectics were experts in it. They believed that the company or the business had the solution to their own problem. And they believed if you went in and told a company a solution, there was a very good chance it wouldn't work because there wouldn't be buy-in. I get you. But if you went in and if you could facilitate one the problem, very often my job was 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 literally identifying and clarifying the problem and then looking for ideas to get around and fear simple stuff. But yeah. it was magic. It was absolutely magic. And 
I was doing it with my clients and, you know, I was, I won't say I was in 40 quid a day, but, um, you know, my fee had gone up a bit that day. And I always remember one Paddy's day being, being brought to America with Synectix and being brought in on a job. And uh, it was on a naming job, a, a job to come up for a name for a product. Right. And I, I was in on it and I was, and, you know, the luck of the Irish, they loved the Irish accent and they just they just loved the facilitation. And they were absolutely brilliant. And I always remember, I always remember that the billable time, the billable amount for that day was ten thousand dollars. That was back in about 1992. And I remember saying to my senior partner at, at the time, in States, I said, yeah. you can't charge, you can't charge ten thousand dollars. All we did was, you know, I bring my clients in mail and gold. I bring them through that process every day of the week. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, ten thousand. But, but, but Parik, he said, look at the value. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they have now come up with a name. It was, it was for a personal care product. It was for a shampoo. And, okay. and the shampoo became highly famous afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And he said, $10,000 is a, it's, it's a drop in the ocean. And I learned, and so many of your listeners can learn from this, Anne-Marie, yeah. you know, get away from per DM rates, get away from charging per day. And start charging with value. Yeah, what yeah. value have you brought to the organization? You know, I was bringing 10,000 points worth of value to many companies. Yeah. I didn't see it that way, you know. Anyway, that yeah. was Synectix. And uh, I learned, I used to call it facility training. And it's what I've done ever since. Okay. I think people in Ireland in particular, they like a little bit of content. They like to be given plans and they like to be given five ways of doing things and three things not to do. They like a little bit of that, but they also like to discuss it and talk it. And uh, that's what we do in our smock session or our account to pal sessions. Yeah. Uh, it's about three things. One, it's about um, a little bit of education from me on an issue. Are yeah. you or I bring in an expert? Um, the, the next one is a bit of problem solving where we look at issues that people have and say, Jenny Max, I need a someone in HR. Do you know anybody who would know anybody who might help on this? And yeah. yeah, we've used this girl and she's good and she's nice and she'll help you do this. And the third bit of it is the accountability bit. It's, uh, it's where you sit down and plan your next week and your next month in terms of your bigger goals. So uh, that's kind of what defined my career. And um, I, I put my little niche out there as a facility trainer and, and I've just loved every bit of it. Brilliant. And when when did that happen? When did you sort of make the decision to go out on your own and set up Schmack there? Is that something that came gradually over in years or was there a specific point? That no, you I actually, Jerry Barry was 100% instrumental in me becoming a consultant at 22. It was kind of on my birthday. I'll always remember it was in the, around the 1st of June, whatever year that was. Yeah. And, and I could not believe it. And he was so insistent. And he was saying, go out. And, and give value to companies. And I also said, Jerry, if I charge them 40 quid a day and they're not happy, I always remember he showed me how to write an invoice. He said, my, my fee for the day is 40 quid for the day or what you think it's worth. And I think we only screwed up on one day ever where somebody said, no, that wasn't worth 40 quid's worth yet. You ended up creating more trouble than you, than you went in <laughs> dissolved, you know? And, and I said, that's yeah. fair enough. And uh, yeah, that was... That was a really decisive point. And you know what, Anne-Marie, listening back, guys like Barry were great mentors 
you know, it's it's no secret why they went on to establish yeah. uh, great companies. If you are so lucky to get into the company of a great mentor early on, like a, a Jim Ward, Aidan Daly, Jerry Barry, Dermot McShane, you, you know, that it's so so much less to do with your, your IQ uh, than, 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 than your EQ. Absolutely, 100%. I totally agree with you. What advice, looking back then, would you give to yourself? I know you've obviously a very successful career now, and I'm just wondering, would you have ever advise yourself to go back and sit the leave insert again or you know is there advice thinking back that you would change yeah let me go back to that one and let me go back even before the leave insert um i i was the only kid and my mother thought it was a good idea that i'd go to a boarding school she thought it'd toughen me up and, and she was right and it was a it was one of those other great decisions in my life and <laughs> I, I went down to do the entrance exam in ross gray i was 11 years of age and uh, I thought it was great crack. I think it was the first time I smoked. I got in with a brilliant crowd. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not saying it's why, but we were late in for the maths exam. And there was, there was a huge kerfuffle. In any event, Ross Gray accepted 55 people in those days. Yeah. Right. And I came 52nd in the, in, in the entrance exam. So I just about made the cut. And yeah. I was delighted. It never occurred to me. I just said, this is going to be great fun. The guys are great crack. And uh, it really didn't hit me until I always remember the, the first morning in Ross Gray outside the ref. They had these classes up and there were the A, B and C class. So the top 20 people got into the A class, the, the, the next 20 got into the B class yeah. and the 15 Egypts went into the C class. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that was me. And, and that was OK. The guys were just they were just the best fun you ever met. Yeah. Until my mother heard about it the following Sunday and she came down to Ross Gray and she was apoplectic and she demanded and insisted to see the Dean of Studies, a man called Father Emmanuel Curtis. He was a he was a genius. He was he was a, he used to write the, the maths papers for the leave. But he he had a real cryptic Dublin wit and, and he was about five foot five. And my mum was about five foot eleven, certainly with heels and probably six foot. And I still remember standing up and I was hauled into the to the front hall in Ross Grange. Could have been a very foreboding place. And my mother said, she said, Father Emmanuel, what is to happen with Porrick? And he, I always remember saying, what, what do you mean, Mrs. O'Malley? Well, she said, um, you know, he, he came 52nd. He, he's third worst in the school. Um, he's in the C class. You know, what hope has he of ever getting a job? Oh, and I was goodness. there saying, fact this, do you know what I mean? And then Father Emmanuel looked up at her and he said, he said, Mrs. O'Malley, in my vast experience, he says, my discovery has been that the guys in the C class invariably end up giving the jobs to the guys in the A class. <laughs> <laughs> and I always remember saying, whoa, love that. And, you know, the really weird thing about it, Father Emmanuel understood the difference between IQ and EQ. And intellectual quotient. Uh, you know, they were all full of it in the 70s and your IQ was fixed and you could never change it. And, you know, my belief system at the time was if you were stupid, you, you, you were going to remain stupid, you know. And and thankfully, I had some great mentors in Ross Gray, a wonderful man called Brendan O'Rourke. I, I, I spoke good Irish because I came from the Belthook. And yeah. uh, he put me on a debating team. Uh, uh, and, and that absolutely brought me from the C class to the B class 
to, to very humbly, to, to more or less the top of the A class. And that had nothing to do with IQ or intelligence. That had to do with a person who believed in me and That's actually brilliant. said, you're not as stupid as three 40 minute exams when you were out smoking outside. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Your yeah. life should not be pivoted and based on that. But um, anyway, that, that, that was the first thing. So be, be very aware of labeling anybody with an intellectual quotient. Yeah, it's totally, totally reversible. I, I'm very proud to have started in the C class. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, I'd have been a bit prouder had I got the points for medicine. And, and yeah. And, I'd have no doubt with choice you can do that. But but the next thing I would say, in the 1980s, um, a wonderful man that you'd probably be familiar with, Anne-Marie, called Daniel Goleman, he, he, he came out with a he came up with the concept called emotional intelligence or yeah. EQ. And uh, what he discovered was that 92% of CEOs in America didn't necessarily have high IQ. So they weren't geniuses but 92% of them had high EQ. In other words, emotional quotient. They could get on with people. <clears throat> they could handle crises. They could take things like pandemics and they could take things like bad news and they could take things like screwing up in their lives and they could get on with it. Yeah. They yeah. discovered that people with high IQ didn't necessarily have that skill set. And I remember thinking, that is brilliant. And EQ is... Your industry, it teaches it a lot and it's fantastic. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, it is absolutely brilliant. And I, I must say it inspired me greatly over the years. There's a third cue I'd like to share with people in Ireland. It's, it's not as well known here. So IQ is your intellectual quotient. EQ is your emotional quotient. But AQ is what's needed at this present point in our time. Uh, coming through the end of the pandemic, as yeah. you and I are speaking, uh, you need adversity quotient. You need to be able to deal with adversity. The people who will survive COVID and yeah. thrive after it, they will be the people who have a high AQ, a high adversity quotient. Love and that. I've never heard of that. Is, no, yeah, you don't. Yeah. It's, um, it's brilliant. Adversity quotient by a lovely man called Paul Stokes. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about bringing that back to Ross Gray at the moment, the, the young students in Ross Gray, because not alone do business people need this. Young kids need this. We've had a whole population of kids who were told they were beautiful, they were brilliant, that they couldn't, that, that life is great. They just go out there and kind of a little bit run to burn, put your dream out there and it'll happen. That's not necessarily the case, Anne-Marie. It's a tough world out there. Yeah. Pandemics yeah. come relationships split up, uh, people's businesses go bankrupt and they lose, people are deceived, people are swindled. Our yeah. kids need to be thought the process to handle that. Adversity, in my opinion, is the new intelligence. So uh, yes, I would absolutely suggest and give advice to people, work on your AQ or your grit. Yeah, so, I'm gonna uh, definitely look into that. <laughs> And is there anything you'd change um, yourself then over the last number of years? Anything you would have done different? Um, do you know, not a lot. And I haven't really thought about the response to that question, Anne-Marie, but um, I think it's no more than not getting the points for men. Um, there's a reason for everything in life. Yeah, yeah. And that reason is there to serve you. And yeah. um, look at 
One other bit of advice would be a metaphor. And I'll share this metaphor with you. I love the metaphor of mountains. I think life is very much about mountains. You know, we, we climb them, we get to the top, we see great views, we see our problems from a different perspective. Um, but who you meet on the journey up and down the mountain is critical. And let me give you three types of people you meet on a mountain. Okay. You can look, take a typical mountain. You'll meet quips. You'll get people who won't even get up and climb the mountain. We did, um, <laughs> we did um, a great course in Donegal, oh, I don't know, with, the, uh, with Michael Tunney, and I think it was called the Enterprise Board at the time. It's now called the Leo, some yeah. years ago. And we had two groups of 10, and there were, there were 20 people. No, there were two groups of 12. There were 24 people. And every, somebody said one day, we'd love to climb Mount Errigal. And, uh, and we got all excited about it. And I went to Michael and I said, this is going to be great learning experience, you know. And he said, fair enough, do it. Great. Have the, have the session. Instead of in the classroom, have it on the summit of Errigal. I mean, what a stunning setting. In any event, it was the, I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was the 12th of the 12th, 2012. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. very and, good. And, and, and we thought it was going to be a significant thing. Unfortunately, the weather was really bad. As you get in Donegal, there was snow on Errigal of the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And over half of the people, I think only 13 out of 24 people showed up. So that's nearly 50 percent of the class didn't show up because it was snowing. And they said, I'll get my feet wet and I'll get I might slip and I might fall. And I wouldn't like it. And, you know, I'm too busy. I've got loads of other stuff on and I have invoices to write and I've got problems to solve. And uh, anyway, it's a bit stupid going up a mountain. I signed up to this thing to be in a classroom with um, PowerPoint slides and that crack. So yeah. 13 out of the 24. Now, I would say the first, the, the, the 11 were quitters. And you find this all in life. So many people will say, nah, I'm not going to go to college. I mightn't be good at it. Or I'm not going to take that job. Or I'm not even going to risk marriage. You know, it mightn't work out. The stats now say one in every two marriages fail. And a lot of people quit before they ever they even begin. try. Before yeah. they ever even try. Now, you might be saying, yeah, but I'm not one of those. There may well be areas in your life where you're quitting. And I'd like to ask your listeners that. Are there areas I've given up on that I'm not even going on the mountain? Now, the next thing was, I always remember it. Um, out of the 13 who went for the summit, Oh, gee, it was a terrible day. Uh, two, <laughs> two of the girls, I always remember, they arrived in high heel shoes. They were absolutely, they would, they, they would have been brilliant in Voodoo nightclub. They literally would, they were made for the nightclub. And then they kind of had runners. So they just couldn't climb it. Yeah. You know, so, so only six got to the summit. Now, some of them just couldn't do it because they weren't prepared. They hadn't the equipment. And that's yeah. true of your business. If you don't have the technology or the systems, you're not going to be able to reach the summit. Absolutely. But then, but then another cohort, it, the first bit of Erica is just pure bog. That's where the two girls lost their shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then it begins to ascend. And then it gets really, really tight at the top. Yeah. And about another five people decided, no. We're going, we're going to stay here. You know, we've uh, we've a bottle of wine and a few tins of beer and we have a few packets of crisps. And, yeah. you know, the crack Sounds is good. great here. You guys go up to the summit. Yeah. And you see that a lot in life. So you do, Anne-Marie. Those are people I call campers. 
They go on the mountain. They're very skilled at getting up the mountain, but they get to a certain ceiling or plateau and say, look it, <clears throat> it's grand here. I'm, I'm really cool. I'm enjoying the crack. Yeah. And they never go to the top. The top five who got there that day, they were all climbers. And I'd like to put those three things out to your, to your, to your listeners. Are you a quitter? Are you a camper? Or are you a climber? Um, you may well find campers in your organization. You know, people who were really good when they started, but somewhere along the journey, they lost the buzz, they lost the spark. And the really interesting thing about all of this, Anne-Marie, is who you hang out with. Oh, you, can, yes. you can hear the people at the, at, the, at the coffee break before we went up, Eriga. <clears throat> Some of them were saying, ah, geez, I'm not going up that place. Do you know what I mean? Why would I yeah. do that? Um, in Calamara, we say, Ahmin Kiro Kiro Gela. One beetle recognizes another. In English, we say, like attracts like. Birds of a feather flock together. Quitters oh, hang around with quitters. They justify it. Campers hang around and they have the crack with other campers. And they say, why would you go out that mountain? Geez, you could break a leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> climber, climbers hang around with other climbers. So I would say, if you want to climb new and exciting summits after hearing this uh, podcast, yeah, start hanging around with climbers. That, that would be the biggest advice I could give to you. I love that. But, yeah. Absolutely. I've, and, and it has been mentioned once or twice before. It, you are the sum of the people you hang around with, without a Absolutely. doubt. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I love that mountain. That's something I will definitely remember. You've mentioned goals a lot and that you help people with their goals. And that is, you know, where you're coming from. What about your own goals? Do you have goals? Do you set goals for yourself every year? Have they changed over the pandemic? Where, where do you stand on that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um and, and I can answer it a little bit better today than I might have done yesterday. Well, here, let me put it in another context. I, yeah. have, uh, I have four kids and uh, I have three sons and a daughter. And, and, and the three sons, they're, they're, they're shooting the lights out in their careers. You know, they're with Apple, PwC and EY. And they're just brilliant at their jobs. And, you know, on a Friday evening when we get them all together, they're talking about systems and uh, procedures and I oh, haven't a clue. Their mother and I have not a notion. If you <laughs> ask me genuinely, what do they do? We would just not have a clue what these guys do. It's pure techno space and, and, and whatever. We have a daughter um, who's a speech and language therapist. And on a, on a Friday evening, she's who you want to end up with. Um, because yeah. what she's talking about is the little kids... Um, the, 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 the little kids who come into speechcoach.ie every week and they can't talk. And when you can't talk at two or three, it, it, I used to always think it was a technical thing, but Sarah will tell you it's psychological. Your whole identity is framed around, I can't talk. I'm no good. I'm not good enough. And yeah. the really brilliant thing is that she can teach and take people from not being able to speak to give them the massive confidence on a weekly basis. And, and she comes in laughing and joking about the kids who are able to do this now. And the answer to your question is, I think if you want to be really fulfilled in life, get around people and get around making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, sometimes the work we're doing, we're not aware that we're actually making a difference in people's lives. Sometimes we need to be told that, but yeah, I, I, I think my goal would have gone from earning millions and billions to, to now looking at it to 
you know, what difference can I make in people's lives? And how can we inspire them even a little bit? And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I would have been greatly influenced by Sarah's view on things. Uh, you know, if, if, yeah. if, if you can help people with their identity and, and it's a belief system and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're helping them with their speech or in your case, if you're helping them with good procedures with respect to HR or yeah. whether if I'm training people in marketing or sales, uh, every one of those skills helps somebody's confidence build. And, and that for me is the most important thing. Yeah. So so my goal would have changed from numbers to people. Uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And I, like that's probably one of the questions I love asking people is what makes you happy? So your goal, the way you've said a change, it's not just about making more money, it's making people happy. Do you, you get a lot of happiness out of that yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I happened to be at a, at a gig yesterday and, uh, and it, was, it was a really, really, it, it was, I, I said in an email that it was, you know, it was the proudest day of my life. And it was because an awful lot of people who worked with me over a long period of time came together at a, at a social distance uh, in a field in Calga. To, to literally talk about the good times. And uh, and it was really, at the time, there were really small things, but, you know, success is a game of inches. Uh, you know, it, or, or as Tom Peters said, success can be measured in inches or millimetres. It's the little things that count. And, yeah. And, you know, you know, my mother used to always say, what do you do? And I, I don't really know, but people were coming up saying, you know, um, you told me once that that shirt I was wearing was smudged in the collar. And, you know, it kind of shook me up and it put a bit of smock on me. And I, I got a good suit and I made myself look well and I made myself show up well when I went into a sales call. You know, those yeah, little things. Little tiny, those, you probably didn't even realize that bit of advice. No, yeah. And no. it's lovely to get that feedback then. Yeah, it is. And, and I'll leave you with one because you've mentioned it. Um, a lovely man came up yesterday. You'd know him well. He's a national spokesperson. And uh, I thought he was going to tell me about his career and, uh, you know, how Smock had helped him with that. And he yeah. said, no, he said, funnily, he said, you know, the most thing, the most thing we got out of Smock, he said, was my daughter. And, um, uh, and, and that was 13 years ago. She was five and she's 18 doing the leave and start this year. And he, he came back one evening yakking on what I was saying about you're the average of the five people you, you're surrounded by most of all. Yeah. And she took it up perfectly. And she said, you know, some teachers are better than others. If you can get around the good teachers and think of the good teachers and keep the good teachers in your mind. And he, could, he couldn't believe this. And the other thing she said was the friends you hang around with. Even a young kid knows there are some friends who will put you down because they're jealous and they've inferiority complexes. And there are other friends who are great fun and make you laugh and tell you you're yeah. gorgeous. You need to get around those. And, and what, what I, I was so impressed with yesterday, he was saying, yeah, a five-year-old kid gets that concept. You know, that's emotional that's amazing. intelligence. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it is. Absolutely. And you've mentioned a lot of people, you know, since we started talking over your whole career and, and, and school and that. But if you were to pick one or two people that you felt have inspired you in your journey, like, would there be or is there too many to mention? Oh, yeah, there probably are. I mean, I mentioned those people who were instrumental. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Look, look Anne-Marie, I, I do really believe that that everybody makes a difference. Even the negative experiences, even the negative experiences make yeah. a real difference. Um, That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I do really. And 
I don't know, should I say this? But okay, we'll we, we do say this. I came back from uh, Donegal once in that year when I was 21. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I drove down and I'd worked hard in Donegal all week. I'd seen about 25 clients. I had sold loads of jumpers. I had shot the lights out in terms of jumper sales and I drove down in this old Fiat car into Castle Bar 10 to 5 on a Friday evening. Now, I didn't really realize it, but I came through the door and I was BMW and I was bitching and I was moaning and I was whinging <laughs> and I was giving out about everything. I was just an antichrist. Yeah. And uh, a, a great lady called Breege McShane, she was Dermot McShane's wife. And she, right. she kind of turned on me on the on the factory floor. And she said, you know, in a, in a, in a very cheerful way, she said, Porik, you've become very negative. And I tell you, I went for Anne-Marie, you know, I, I always remember, I always remember, and I could see the, all the girls in the factory looking on, how's he going to react? And, yeah. and they smelled a row. Well, I said, Breed, now that you mention it, you ain't no barrel of laughs yourself. And it was a dirty one. I gave her a, I gave her a right dig back, but, but Breed, she's a, she's a high red, and she was well able for me. And she said, uh, Oh, that may be the case. And I came back again. I said, Breach, could you give me some specific examples of um, um, where I've become negative? I said, for starters, who's selling most of the jumpers around here? And she knew her figures backwards. She could tell me exactly what I was selling. She could tell me how many accounts I opened. She could tell me some of the great feedback that had come back. Yeah. But then she said, um, and Porik, you haven't, filled, you haven't sent in expenses for three months. You haven't these records done. You haven't followed up on A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I did a Sarah. Well, Sarah is my daughter. It's also an acronym for how we respond to negative feedback. S is for shock. I was so shocked. I wasn't expecting this. And yeah. then I got angry at Breach. That's why I was thick. And of course, all, yeah. every knitting machine on the floor stopped for the row. And then I began to reject it. Uh, and I was halfway back to Galway. In those days, there were bad roads between Castlebar and Galway before I finally had A for acceptance. You know, when the jets cooled down, I realized Bridge had said it exactly as it was. She was spot on. Yeah. I had actually become a bitcher and a moaner and a whinger. I hadn't even realized it. And on Monday morning, I thought a lot about it. And I went back up to Castlebar and I asked for a bit of help. I said, look at guys, I can't be doing expenses if I'm out on the road. And Breach said, no problem. Just give me the receipts and I'll do them for you. It was like manna from heaven. I cannot be seen to be writing reports on production when I'm out in the road. No problem, Porik. You're no good at them anyway. We'll give it to somebody else. That Sarah acronym, it, it, it happens anytime we receive negative feedback. So what I'm going to say is that that experience was another seminal experience in my life. It, it, it led me to, to believe that you can become negative without even realizing. Absolutely, we yeah. Need, yeah, we yeah. need to work on our positivity and uh, be aware of that, be aware of that, Sarah. So look at, I would say everybody that touches you, yeah, impacts yeah. you positively yeah. if you're open to it. Yeah, a lot of us think we have to be positive the whole time, but if you realize you can learn as well from the negatives, that's that's fantastic. Okay, you know, another influence of my life was um, I was in a hotel in Donegal once and I was going up doing my gig and there was a girl outside in the next room and she was getting ready and she was signing up all of these people and all of these people were going in and they were coming out. She was so busy and I was yeah. really intrigued. So I, I, four hours, I did my four hour session 
and I left and people were still coming into the girl next door. And yeah. uh, I was intrigued. Anyway, and I hung around anyway. And uh, the girl was the, the rep for Weight Watchers. Okay. Slightly <laughs> area. And uh, I said, what story? And she said, it's very simple. We give people a little bit of information. I said, I do that with my business people, but they're not turning their lives around. Yeah. And she said, uh, we have a group session once a week. We give them a bit of motivation. I said, I do that. I give motivation every week. And, uh, and she said, but do you weigh them? Said, what, are you <laughs> what are you talking about? She said, um, do you weigh them every week? And I said, well, not really. And I was, I was humming and hawing. Well, she said, that's the difference. And that's, that's why people really hit their goals and Weight Watchers. They've got to stand up on that scales, whether they've been at three weddings and a funeral that week. And, and that's where real change comes from. And, and that was a real learning point for me. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I put that into smart and I have a new business at the minute called Accounter Pals. Okay. And it's, it's literally bringing people who want to achieve significant goals i.e people who want to climb the mountain uh, yeah. it's bringing them together and pairing them up to keep each other accountable love to it. their main goals so so that's it absolutely brilliant i love that you first really came to my notice from one of your books the midas power and i know you've written another book rocking horse shit so what other books or what books would you recommend people reading beside those two books? Because I absolutely love and I've read The Midas Power a, few, a couple of times. What books do you recommend for people? Well, I'll start at the general. Uh, Jim Rohn, the great American writer, said the books you don't read won't help you. And, and I love that. Great point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can buy many books and not read yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. The books you don't read won't help you. I really love that. He's, he's long passed on, but it was great wisdom. Um, I, I did see a guy who impresses me greatly. A guy called James Clear has written a book called Atomic Habits. And it's okay. great. It's really good. He's a really serious guy. But the book Atomic Habits is well worth reading. And, and he makes a subtle distinction in it. You, you know, we know that our habits are important. Yeah. But he, he, is, he comes up with a thing. He said, most people have what are called outcome-based goals. I, I used to teach this for 30 years. An outcome-based goal is, yeah, I want to lose a half a stone in a month. That's an outcome-based yeah. goal. I want to I wanna go from, you know, 200 grand sales to 300 grand sales by Christmas time. They're outcome based and they're good and they're still worth doing. He'll tell you that a far better goal is what's called an identity based goal. So instead of putting down the outcome, which is a kind of a lag measure, you know, that that's only measured after it. Yeah, it's the person you want to become. So instead of saying, um, I will complete 20,000 words of my book by the end of July, you begin saying, I am a writer. I am a writer. I am a great writer. I am writing a book that's really inspiring people. You change the identity, your own identity. And, you know, I guess that's what our Sarah is doing with the kids she's doing. She's changing their belief system to say, I can talk. It's, it's, it's possible to talk. I can improve on this. And that's another great, 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 great lesson is that the Kaizen or continuous improvement. I can literally become anything I want, uh, provided I'm prepared to do this every week. So I'm a sticker. So th that's a great book I would recommend. There's a really old fashioned one from your game, and I love it. 
and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. by, by a guy called Dale Carnegie. The examples are totally outdated, but it's 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 beautiful book. And really the main point in that is uh, be interested in people rather than being interesting. And it's, 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 it's a game changer. If you want to up your emotional intelligence, become interested in other people. And yeah, you know yeah. something, Anne-Marie, one conversation could change your life utterly. But I'll tell you one thing. It's highly unlikely you're going to have that conversation if you're sitting behind a computer desk. Yeah. yeah. And when COVID begins to open up as it's doing, a really important thing to get out there and start having conversations. And, you know, Kingsley Aikens, I heard him. Kingsley's older than I am, but he's, he's brilliant. He really he's absolutely worth listening to. You know, Kingsley was saying, I heard him on, a, on, a, on, a, on one of these podcasts two days ago. And, yeah. he, you know, he was saying that, you know, your network someday will become your net worth. And it's now more important than ever Absolutely. that you go out and start having conversations. That book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it absolutely will help you. And of course, i got to promote my own two books. I'm delighted and I'm very flattered that you love the Midas part. Uh, yes. Lots, lots of people do. I still get people who stop me in the street and say, yeah, yeah, I read that at a really difficult point in my life and it really gave me a lift and I'm now a different place. Um, Two guys stopped me on Mount Errigal once. We claim it a lot. And this is yeah. you're the writer guy. I said, I said, have you read it? And this is no. But our mother reads it. There were two brothers. Our mother reads it every month or whatever. I love that. Yeah, the other book I wrote was controversially called Rocking Horse Shit. And um, that was a, a kind of a serious illness I got six years ago, 2014. And uh, in, the, in the course of that illness, I, I was with 12 different medical consultants. And almost all of them would say, Parik, what you have is as rare as hen's teeth. They were very polite people. They really, really were. And one day up in the Galway Clinic, I won't mention his name. He knows well I tell this story. He came out to me. And once again, I was scanned. It was an abdomen scan. And the expectation was it was going to be cancer. And he ride out with the scan. And I was going to say, well, you don't have cancer. And I was about to kiss him. But he said, I'll tell you one thing. He said, your, your condition is as rare as rock and horse shit. <laughs> I, I, I had never heard of that expression before. Apparently it derives from Kerry. But um, I thought it was great. And I wrote this book about how to get better. Somebody said to me, the book is fine, but you need to change the title. You need to call the title Rock and Horse Shit. And you can get it on Amazon. And it, it kind of describes the, the, the psychological and mental journey to overcoming serious difficulties. So, yeah, okay. I'm very proud of that yeah. book as well. Yeah. What I want to say about the Midas Power as well, you can read it in loads of different, like over a couple of months and maybe leave it down, read it again, and you'll actually get different messages each time. So that's what I love about it. I hadn't read it for about a year read it again recently and stuff that hadn't really I thought about you know I thought about things differently so that's why it's one of those books that you can keep going back to over and over again I absolutely love it so great to read it I'd love to ask you now what do you feel like you're living life on your own terms yeah 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 funny my wife was only saying to me yesterday it was a quotation that I used to use an awful lot, and I'd forgotten about it. It's, uh, it's from the late and great Stephen Covey. And Covey talked about four L's. And he talked about uh, to live, to love, to learn, and to leave a legacy. Now, there's probably five L's there. But, but I think that one sentence dictates whether you're living life on your own terms. Um, 
I, I'm very, 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 I'm very aware that I'm alive at nearly 60 years of age and I'm delighted. My dad died at 56. So I've got to live longer than him and I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah, so, so that's to live, to love. I've been hugely, hugely fortunate to marry the girl that I wanted to marry. And, and that's another one of those uh, that those bits of chemistry that's hugely important. I was an only kid, so children were really important to me. I look up, I mean, if I take my eyes off, I'm looking at the children in the in, in the background of your photographs there. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm getting a present I know about in the next day or two, and it's uh, it's a lovely bit of sculpture. And, and on it is a kind of a big stem or a big tree, which kind of represents my wife and myself, and then coming off it are four swans. And, uh, oh, wow. and, and, and that metaphor is hugely powerful for me because that's the loving bit. Now we fight and kill each other and bait <laughs> the lard out of each other, but there's, but, but there's great tough love in that. Learning is really important to me. I mean, here's a guy who was in the C class. Here was a guy who came 52nd out of 55. Um, every day is a, every day is a great day if it's a learning day. You can learn every single day. And, and to leave a legacy, I'd be more humbled about, but uh, just in the last 24 hours, you know, I've got, got an awful lot of really nice emails and people saying little things that help them with their lives. And, you know, as one guy said, he said, that's a legacy in itself. Yeah. So I'd absolutely say I've lived life on my own terms. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That's brilliant. And I really, I could talk to you and listen to your stories all day. Absolutely. So fantastic. And I really hope that listeners get a lot from it as well. So thank you so much. Oh, for okay. It. On that one. And I shouldn't be selling on this one. No, no, There's something that happened by accident during um, during uh, COVID. I, I started writing way back in February 2000, and um, I beg your pardon, 2020. Yeah. I started writing a thing called The Life of Riley. And The Life of Riley was a blog, and I was going to do it for four weeks or six weeks, and it was designed to give people a lift. Yeah. And I never stopped doing it. I think out of every Sunday since, I've only missed one Sunday. And they're little stories that pick you up. I've told a few of them here today. Yeah. It, it, Riley is my kind of alter ego. It's it's me, but I can say what I like and I can give out about people and I can I can Love bitch it. about people. Uh, yeah. So if, if people like this podcast, uh, get them to email me on pieromalia.ie. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I'll certainly sign them up. It's free and it comes at seven o'clock every Sunday Well, I'll Sunday put a link morning. on this as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. No, I absolutely will. That's brilliant. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you take away some positive steps from it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe for free and tell your friends. If there is anyone's story that you would love to hear, please message me and I'll do my best to interview them. Thanks for listening and for living life on your own terms.